It's Divas That Care Radio. Stories, strategies, and ideas to inspire positive change. Welcome to Divas That Care, a network of women committed to making our world a better place for everyone. This is a global movement for women, by women, engaged in a collaborative effort to create a better world for future generations. To find out more about the movement, visit divasthatcare.com after the show. Right now, though, stay tuned for another jolt of inspiration. Welcome to the Divas That Care Network. I'm your host, Amy McKenzie. Today's show, The Wow of Women, features the remarkable journeys of women whose powerful and extraordinary choices positively impact lives. Today, it's going to be a little different, with a very, very special exception, because we're going to be interviewing a gentleman. And the reason we're going to interview this gentleman is because his commitment to ending the needless suffering that women have endured for so long uh, is on tantamount to his commitment. And he feels this cycle needs to end. I want to introduce Zach Jan before we bring him over here and tell you a few things about Zach. He was raised in a one-room bedroom, bed set, sorry, in West London. Uh, he left home at age 15 because things weren't looking too good there, okay? By 18... Uh, He fired his lawyer in a court case, represented himself, and won the case. A very sharp young man. By the age of 23, he'd started his own business, uh, and this was literally as a service contractor for American Airlines, and went on to launch a major limousine service in London. Now, years later, following his divorce, he wanted to have a new start in life, so he relocated to Ireland, and in the process, he actually met up with a woman who was really a victim of domestic abuse, and he couldn't understand how this was happening. So he intervened, and he helped her for seven years during her legal journey to freedom, and she won her case. Now, during this time, Zach developed a reputation, as you can imagine, for no-nonsense results. And though he himself is not a lawyer, he has been involved in helping over 100 women win their cases in divorce. It's really stunning. And his commitment to people and women in situations that really just aren't okay um, is extraordinary. And that's why we have our first man on the Wow of Women. Zachary, if you can hear me, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you for all you do on behalf of women. uh, And thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. It's my privilege to be here with you, Amy. I have to say, um, we have a lot to cover, but before we really dig into how you're helping women today, maybe you could share with us a little bit about your background. Of course, yes. Um, growing up in West London in a very in very basic but comfortable surroundings, um, uh, we weren't uh, spoiled with uh, too many of life's material possessions, but we were given a... Myself, I was given a good work ethic and a, a good sense of uh, independence. Um, went to a very, very rough inner city school, um, much to the horror of my parents. But in that school, I had some teachers who really, really gave me the confidence to believe in myself and empowered me to to make my own decisions and not to be um, doubting myself ever. And I guess that's what kind of gave me the foundation that school gave me the foundation to believe in myself and, and carve out my own course in life generally. So I am forever grateful to those teachers for giving me so much of what I carry through today in everyday workings, whether it's in the legal system, whether it's in business or whether it's in life. 
It's not incredible. So thank you to all the teachers out there. You see what difference one person can make uh, in a child's life. That's that's extraordinary. But obviously things weren't easy because you did leave home uh, at 15, uh, as you said in your bio. And uh, that could, that had to be some tough years there before you really got on your feet. But, boy, you did that fast. By 23, you had your own service contract business. Congratulations. That's really something. Yeah, that was um, – I was working, would you believe, as a, as a porter at Heathrow Airport. Um, again, a lot of people were very good to me. I was working at the time for what was Pan Am and TWA until eventually they went out of business. American came along and took over the TWA operation at Heathrow. And just by chance, I happened to run into the chairman and chief executive of American Airlines, a, a real industry legend at the time, a guy by the name of Bob Crandall, Robert L. Crandall was his um, official name. Um, and I gave him an idea. And he was so taken aback by the idea, he asked me to go and research it, which I did. And then they put the contract out to tender. They were going to either do it themselves or get someone else to do it. And I asked if I could put in a tender, which I did. And it was a very basic proposal using, you know, crayons and coloring pens. And I couldn't afford a wood processor at the time. And they took me under their wing and they gave me the contract, which was unbelievable. Um, after I got the contract, I had to reverse engineer the problem, which was I had no money and I didn't have uh, big finances to uh, pull this off. So I kind of shot the gun before aiming it, um, so to speak. So <laughs> I, I ended up with this contract and, and, and that got me going on my entrepreneurial career. Uh, but the good folks at American Airlines were very, very good to me. Again, so, so lucky to have so many people encouraging and putting an arm around your shoulder saying, go for it, go for it, go for it. And that made a huge difference to my outlook on, on life's problems uh, in general. Yeah, that's incredible. And I can see how that was kind of a foundation for uh, how you are in service today. I also think it's, um, you know, for those listeners that are sitting on the fence with something and, you know, just knowing that how many stories there are when someone just takes that chance on themselves, we never know what miracles can come out of that. And um, hats off to you for actually doing it. And uh, obviously you were very successful with it. So that's, that's terrific. So now let's move ahead. And, you know, you, you've now started your own limousine business. You're obviously a successful businessman. You, you get married. You do that whole chapter of your life. And when that comes to an end, you decide to relocate. And somewhere in that process of relocating to Ireland, you meet a woman. Pick us up at that point in the story. Yeah, it was just, um, I just saw her phone ringing and it kept on ringing and it kept on ringing. Like I'm talking a hundred times in like an hour. And I said, what's, what's that all about? So at the time she just said, it's complicated. But eventually I managed to grilled down because it kept on happening, kept on happening. And I said, this is ridiculous. And I could see she was obviously traumatized. She was in a bad place emotionally. She was clearly being gaslit, if that's the phrase. And eventually I found out that the person who was doing all the ringing was her husband. And he was absolutely running havoc with her emotionally, uh, spiritually, financially. There was financial bullying going on. He had a... Um, pinned down in life, so to speak, and he was getting away with it. And she did not know. I should mention at this stage, this woman was a fairly prominent businesswoman. It's not like we're talking about 
someone in a homeless shelter who doesn't have resources. But she was down by the system, by her lawyers, by her family, by her friends. She was very much alone. And I said, this is ridiculous. So eventually I said to her one day, and it was the weekend of St. Patrick's Day, um, 2013, I said to her, we are going to the police and we're reporting this. We call them the guards over here, the police. Reluctantly, she went down. And then we started building up a case. I, I started to do a deep dive. What's going on with this situation? Um, and it took a lot of visits to the police, building up a trail, a lot of visits to lawyers, the firing of legal teams, appointing new legal teams, a lot of court visits um, to get her through what was a horrendous seven-year journey um, to emerge on the other side, where now she is completely transformed from the caterpillar into a butterfly. Um, but at that time, she was in a really, really, really bad place. That's incredible. We'll have to bring her on the show as well to hear her story because that's, that's incredible. Um, to have the tenacity, I just have to stop for a moment and acknowledge the, the absolute uh, unprecedented level of kindness that you exhibited uh, seven years. It's one thing to be kind for a day, a week, a month, even a year. But to have that level of tenacity for seven years uh, in something that there were no lawyer fees coming to you, there was no comeuppance, it was you just taking the action to right the wrong, bring justice where there was none. And uh, that's extraordinary. I just want to say, Zach, um, that puts you at hero status in my eyes. It's really huge. Well, you're very kind. Um, I I wouldn't consider myself a hero for a second, uh, but uh, it was just this deep sense of injustice that... Someone could be out at this emotional and legal sea, and yet no one was prepared to take the actual problem on. Everyone was busy either making money out of her. The lawyers were happy to charge. The police were reluctant to take action. They, they almost felt sorry for the other guy. Um, he was running amok huh? with... Uh, he had her tied up in loans. He, was, he had mistresses in the house. He was blatantly... Uh, there was no discretion even. He was, he was parading them in town. This is a small town where, where, where I live. He was parading them in town. There was no remorse. There was no comeuppance. There was no sense of injustice. She was just expected to be a bit like Jackie O. Just get on with it. Boys will be boys. You take care of the kids. You do your bit. And uh, I'll, uh, don't worry about the consequences. And it was just, it was a horror scene. It was ridiculous. Right. Yeah, and that, let's just talk about that for a minute for anyone out there who's experiencing you know, an imbalance, we'll say politely, um, it's not necessarily physical. That's, that doesn't mean that you don't need help. Um, what we're addressing here, you know, mental abuse can be uh, so much more damaging on the, on, in the sense that no one else can see it unless you happen to have someone like Zach around who recognizes it and says this isn't okay. Um, it's very hard to define sometimes. It's hard to prove. With it, seven years it took. Um, so, you know, there's listeners out there that you know in your heart it's not right. Seek some help because, um, you know, we think of domestic violence, we only think of, of physical abuse, but it's so much more than that. It's mental and spiritual, uh, emotional as well, as you pointed out. And you really took her all the way through. And so as a result of taking her all the way through to a successful conclusion, not only did you completely change her life and, and impact it for the better, but you also discovered 
the ability to be effective in this area and attracted the attention of, it seems like, many, many other women, over 100 now. Um, how, take us the next step. So after this was done and it, and it worked and it made the difference, um, how did you move this out into the world? What was the second woman that you helped? How did that happen? Uh, again, friends, word of mouth, referrals across all spectrums. This lady was um, working a nine-to-five jobs. She was not particularly well-resourced financially. Um, similar um, recurring patterns. The husband is lying to her, gaslighting her, uh, pivoting, smoke screens, creating uncertainty in her own uh, ability to trust her own decision-making so that she became, she became so self-doubting that she, had to, she was questioning her own sense of what's right and wrong. Um, she had no financial independence. Uh, she had to go to him for cash, even though she was working in a business with him as his office um, administrator. And again, lacking the courage to take the steps to extract herself from that situation. Again, uh, the lawyers playing fast and furious in terms of charging her, taking her money, happy to listen and play the agony aunt, knowing the clock is ticking on the fees. Uh, but she was not making any progress. She was going round in circles, round in circles, and not knowing the next steps. So part of the, the confidence to take the next steps is having the tools. And I sat her down and I spoke to her and I told her, look, you need to do X, Y, Z, uh, whether it was to do with your finances, whether it's to do with um, joint bank accounts, the house, the property, all the small print things, you need to start looking into them so you know what the situation is, so you know how to plan ahead and what things you need to do to move forward. So it was a different situation, but in many ways it was a very similar situation. Um, here in um, Catholic Ireland, uh, the old mindset is still very much alive, as in you don't get divorced, you don't challenge the institution of marriage, the husband is usually allowed to do whatever he wants, whilst mum has to be staying at home, minding the kids, putting food on the table and, uh, and being a good mother and a wife, regardless of what the husband does. And that mindset is still very prevalent in, if you're over 45 over here, it's still a, re a real sense of shame. If you even mention the D word, if you're thinking about it, people don't want to, don't want to know. In, in every case that I've dealt with, the friends have just disappeared because they don't want to be associated with this challenging of the norm. So it's, it's, it's and I wonder to myself, if it's happening here, Lord knows what's happening in other territories where the um, society is even more conservative and more traditional. I mean, it's a real, it's been a real eye-opener for me. Yeah, I'll bet. And it's, um, yeah, it's stunning to see, um, you know, how far we haven't come, <laughs> say it backwards, um, in the, you know, 21st century. Um, so that's, that's obviously a, a never-ending stream of people who can use your support. So after the second woman, this began to be kind of a thing. People started coming to you. Is that right? How did that happen? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, they come to me. I see. I see them in court. In courts, there'd be like a, it'd be like a, this row of women um, in court, just waiting outside the courtroom, and they'd see that this woman had help, so they would reach out to me. Yes. Um, and I don't charge for it. I don't, you know, there's no money involved. There's no incentive for me there. It's just a case of seeing people in a really, really bad place and knowing there is so much more to life than this, um, that you're so much more than the 
the, the wife or the mother or, or the devoted um, spouse. There is more to life than this. If you, if you are in a bad situation, your life is worth so much more. So that's kind of the angle I'm coming from. You know, there is so much more to be living for and doing and so much positivity out there that, that people kind of forget about. And because this becomes the narrative that they're hearing all day, every day from the, not just the, the husband or spouse or partner, but from, from their family as well, from other people who haven't got the courage to do it. So I guess my angle is I want to enable these people to make decisions to empower themselves and, and to realize there's more to life than just this horror show. And I guess that comes from my own childhood when I realized, is this it? Is this going to be my life when I was constantly being dragged down and bullied and told I'm not good enough and uh, not worthy of other people's expectations? That I think still is very much inside me. So when I see it happening to others, and I see it happening mainly to women in these situations, yeah, I guess a part of me just does want to make that better. Wow. That's, that's extraordinary. And uh, it's incredible that you, that you don't charge, um, you know, that you just make yourself available to this. So now let's say, you know, there is someone out there hearing this, and they're like, wow, I really could do some help. One, they don't have to live in Ireland, I wouldn't assume, with today's technology. They could be anywhere in the world. Is that right? Or does it need to be local? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, correct. My, my, uh, I'm helping at the moment uh, one person in the Far East um, whose wow. husband is very, high, is very high up in a, in a well-known world um, organization. And she runs a business, a successful business, and yet... This person, the husband who travels around the world for this organization, when he comes home, the same dynamics playing out at home. So it's it's uh, far east um, from the from the west coast of the U.S. to the far east. This is pan culture. This is pan uh, job or career or status. It's it's um, the same patterns are repeating themselves. And I think a lot of it, you know, Amy, I found is that um, men are coming to this. Uh, having not been taught the right way to respect women or to uh, manage their expectations of women. And there is an element of fear in them as well, in that it manifests itself through trying to control them. Um, and uh, the manipulation and the abuse is a weird form of control that they haven't ever really grown up. Um, it's bizarre. The same patterns are repeating themselves regardless of culture or um as I say, um, socioeconomic standing or geography, it, it, it's, it's always insecure men lacking the tools to reconcile their feelings and emotions. And they take it out on the easiest target, which is almost always the, the, the girlfriend or the wife. Right, makes perfect sense. And of course, there's a lot of studies about that, but typically the person who's in trouble uh, doesn't have the bandwidth to start studying, and nor does it change the situation. But it is interesting right. that it's you're seeing it as a global, uh, you know, societal, cultural, uh, cultures, class. None of that seems to uh, make any difference. That it's literally just a, a humanity issue in terms of what that you know that paradigm is all about, right? It's referred to as the patriarchy often enough, um, giving license to men to do that. Um, but it's interesting that you pick out that it's in your estimation and what you've experienced, which is you know, pretty good numbers, 100 women, um, that there's a consistency in the insecurity level 
with the men that tend to be abusive, whether it's physical, emotional, whatnot. Um, so now, you know, it makes me want to say, gosh, Zach, write a book. <laughs> How can we start educating these men? All right. So I guess really what you're doing is you're educating women to recognize that they don't, that that's not something they have to live with anymore. The times have changed, and they don't have to be afraid of the D word, and they can strike out on their own and actually create a life they love. They're not, they don't have to be enslaved by that form of thinking, really, that, that kind of mindset any longer. And are you seeing, like, when you look at the women that you've really brought through this process, I mean, literally 100 cases, and all of them have won. I mean, I have two questions out of that. One, what do you attribute that level of success rate, which even a lawyer doesn't have, and two, what, what's kind of the percentage of people, the women coming out of this on the other side, um, repeating that pattern again or really truly having broken free of it? So it's a two-part question. Uh, thank you, uh, Amy. Um, my definition for the purposes of this discussion of winning is that they emerged from the, on the other side whole and, and able to move on with their lives, how they define themselves. Uh, you know, um, everyone has a different definition of success. Everyone has a different definition of um, of what they perceive to be winning. Um, for me, them winning is for them to have choices and to carve out their futures on their terms. That's winning, um, however that looks. What I brought where I was different was I think I wasn't part of the legal mindset. I wasn't part of the legal culture. I wasn't part of that narrow way of thinking. I brought a different mindset, uh, a can-do mindset. Instead of asking what's the law, I would ask questions, how can we navigate the law to achieve, achieve our objectives? So I came at it from a different point, point of view. I found lawyers are very, very poor at A, communication, and B, thinking outside the box. And especially in Ireland, it's a very small pool of lawyers. So most lawyers know each other. Uh, and there's this almost camaraderie between each other. And they know they're getting paid regardless of of the outcome. And there was almost a blasé attitude towards their clients. They were very much taken for granted. Uh, and they were, as I said, they're in a win-win situation anyway. So I brought a mindset which was about can-do, business, getting things done quickly, uh, being efficient. They're ridiculously slow at... Um, Everything they do, it's just very, very painful, slow, knowing at the same time that you're getting paid by the hour anyway. So I brought an efficiency to it and things that will take um, the, the uh, client, I'll call it a client for now, um, hours, days, months, I would usually get done in a few minutes um, and just bringing structure to the process as well. Um, them getting all their ducks lined up you know, in terms of paperwork in terms of um, affidavits, in terms of bank statements, financials, all those things that probably wouldn't occur to someone. And the solicitors and the lawyers, sorry, I say lawyers, would be very slow to give the woman a checklist of what she needs to put together. I would be doing those things very, very quickly. It's almost deliberately designed to, 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 to be dragged out, whereas I brought a lot of efficiency to the whole process, as well as empathy and as well as um, being able to see around corners uh, and as I said, the solicitors, uh, lawyers are not very good at telling you you're going to need X, Y, Z. Have it ready by this time in this format. 
it'll be very much putting the woman on the back foot, whereas I'll be very much about being proactive, right? Let's get this done, let's get this done, let's get this done. You're going to need this, you're going to need that. Yeah, that would make a huge difference. And I have certainly seen in the lives of my family and friends, you know, I've seen that process be absolutely dragged out beyond reason. Um, and it's unfortunate that the system is set up that the lawyer benefits the longer it takes because it's certainly not a good incentive for getting the job done and letting people move on with their lives. It's not a humane process, in, at least in light of that aspect. So, no. um, so now you've, you once you, and I love your what you've said about what winning really is. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, so, the women that come out the other end that have a, a sense of wholeness, a sense of owning their own lives, um, and really, you know, getting to stake stake their claim on what they want to do in their life. As you're as you're staying in contact with these women. Um, what's kind of the percentage of, you know, not necessarily in numbers, but are you seeing people really, is it, it's kind of really a fait accompli, they truly have transformed? Are you seeing some women slip back into what they know that is a pattern and, you know, the, the, we as women also contribute to that pattern. It's not just on the men's side by allowing it, right? I mean, Playboy exists because women will pose for it. So it's a two-way street also, right? So are you seeing that happen, or are you seeing that, that they, they have gone through so much that they just don't go back? to Maybe it's a new person, but with the same problem. Um, it's, it's, there are many runners in this marathon, Amy, and they're all running at different speeds. Um, some have made a complete transformation, which has just blown my mind, um, and they recognize the person they were and they've decided I'm not going to be that person anymore and I'm going to grow and evolve and do things on my terms. And it's impacted not just the ex-husband or partner, it's impacted friends who they thought were friends who were actually toxic vampires and they've dumped them and they've seen that uh, the ecosystem around them was not healthy and wasn't serving them. So they've made a complete 180 degree shift and that's been remarkable and very rewarding. And there are some who are still, who are in a good place, but are kind of angry, I would say, with themselves for allowing it to happen, but also the wasted time that they've given to this situation, the relationship, um, and still trying to work it out. Um, what happened? Why did it happen? Joining dots, um, flashbacks to things that happened to them previously and realizing, oh my God, I thought Y was happening, but in fact X was going on. And coming to the realization oftentimes that they're being gas, gas lit or gas lighted, whatever the correct word is, and just being made to be thrown off kilter all the time. And they're realizing that, and there's a sense of a bit of shame about it. But I always say to all of them, listen, divorce in your situation is leadership. Divorce in your situation is taking mm. charge. Divorce in your situation is, is realize, recognizing your own self-worth. No one on this planet has the right to put you down or to make you feel less than whole. And if this person or that friend or whoever was doing that, thank God you've realized it. You know now the telltale signs to look for. So I would say it, was, it's, 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 it varies across the board, Amy. There's different people um, um, and different uh, levels of, 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 of the journey. Um, it's still very much frowned upon here. There's still a big sense of shame and... Um, it's still very much a male-dominated society over here, despite all the progress being made. So um, 
it's hard for them to reintegrate into society or with friends. So um, there, there is a lot to, to reconcile and a, and a lot to deal with. Um, but they are all making progress, which is the main thing. As long as you're taking one step forward each day um, and, and not to be hard on yourself and not to be too self-critical either. I mean, this is not um, I don't think it's any religious job to put you down for doing this. If you're in a bad place, life is precious. Your life is precious. You're put on this earth first, first and foremost, um, by Mother Nature, or, or by your, if, if you believe uh, in religion, by God. That's, that was, that's what came first. So you mustn't be apologizing for, for putting yourself first by undertaking this process. Well, I have to say that's, that's um, really memorable. Uh, never have consider that as a concept, divorce as leadership uh, for someone who's in an abusive situation. Um, it truly is. It's a power move. And um, it's, you know, really saving yourself in that regard. And I think that's a re- it's so powerful um, that I can see why the women who work with you make it through um, and win based on your definition of win- winning, which is becoming whole and you know, literally taking charge of their own lives. It's really stunning. So let's, let's move on to how someone who's in that situation right now can connect with you. How can people find you? How can they work with you? Um, well, probably the easiest way for anyone, because if they are considering this move, um, it's probably been weighing on their mind for a while. But um, the easiest way is I, I have started publishing um, a weekly newsletter which is uh, called The Empowering Divorce. And any of your listeners can access it for free at the domain theempoweringdivorce.com. So they just punch in theempoweringdivorce.com, or one word. I'm publishing a newsletter there, which is going to be sharing the best teachings and learnings that I've learned over the last seven years. Um, as, as you mentioned already, hundreds of court cases um, and a lot of context about how to deal with your legal teams I realize laws vary according to countries and territories and even states. And this isn't so much about the law, it's about the process itself and how you can navigate it, how to ask the right questions and how to basically empower yourself just to be in the right mindset to take on this process and to be prepared and to know what to expect. Um, so that's the empoweringdivorce.com. Subscribe to that and uh, I will put it all out there for everyone to uh, hopefully benefit from. What an incredible gift, what an incredible service, what a contribution you are to women around the world uh, who have been <clears throat> sort of trapped by an old paradigm and unnecessarily emotionally or physically enslaved um, on whatever level that looks like. And those might be too strong of words in some people's minds, but truly when someone doesn't see a way out, it is a form of feeling enslaved. And I've certainly seen it myself. Um, in many cases, and being able to give people an actual solution uh, is just stunning. Um, so I thank you on behalf of, of all women uh, for being one of those men who demonstrates that it is possible to transform this mindset. You've done it, you, and you are a walking example of that. Um, we need all the sons to listen to this interview um, as we raise our men to be more compassionate and our women to be uh, more discerning and more capable of being able to choose our own paths and not get sucked into um, kind of the, the, the quote-unquote norm, depending on where you live in the world, um, that is not really serving your life's purpose. 
And so I, I just really appreciate you. I really appreciate what you're doing. Um, we're coming to the end of our talk here. Share with us, um, you know, any parting words of wisdom that you would like to leave our listeners with today, Zach. Well, um, I mean, there's, there's obviously we're just touching the uh, the top layers of this. It's a very in-depth subject, but I just think every human life matters. Every human being matters. And I think for too long, women have been on the back foot, um, whether it's changing a name to get married or whether it's inheritance laws where the man always gets the inheritance first. We've spent too long telling women they're second-class citizens and they need to stop and they need to start with us um, empowering them to, to empower themselves. So my advice to you is if you're in a bad place, don't put up with it. Start planning and, and, and live the life you were meant to live. Um, it's not uh, about... Uh, just marriage. It's about you, and it's about you empowering yourself. So I would suggest, if you're in a bad place, you need to start taking action. Oh, that's beautiful. Yep. And thank you for giving uh, people a place to begin to hook in and connect with you. Um, if they do go to the empoweringdivorce.com, your your newsletter, can they actually reach you through that uh, for personal conversation if they if they need more support than they get from the newsletter? Um, I will. Yeah, my email address is zach at limitlessperformancemanagement.com. Zach, Z-A-C, at limitlessperformancemanagement, all one word, dot com. If anyone wants to reach out, uh, ask a question, uh, I'm more than happy to, uh, to uh, offer some guidance to your listeners. All right, well, we'll add that link to your page so people can find you um, if they really have something that they can't quite uh, overcome by themselves. And that's very generous of you to offer. We appreciate that. I just can't thank you enough for being on the show today. Um, in closing, I, you know, I want to thank, obviously, Zach Jan, uh, not only for being with us, but for the commitment he's made uh, to women around the world and to shifting a mindset that's ruled our thinking for millennia. It's really huge. So thank you from the bottom of all of our hearts. Really glad to have you. Thank you, Amy. Thank you for having me. Yep. I, of course, want to thank our listeners for making the show possible. Our producer, the founder of the Divas That Care Network, Candace Gish, she redefines the word diva to mean a courageously self-assured woman. And that's exactly what Zach is creating in the incredible work that he's giving away to support women in becoming self-assured. And that's what we're all about. The Divas That Care Network offers women of all walks a platform for sharing and discovering their voice in the world. And we invite you to join us. Visit divasthatcare.com. You'll hear more inspiring stories. Perhaps your self-confidence will build to the point that you will add your voice to the conversation. We'd love to have you. Thank you so much for joining us today. With that, signing off. Have a great evening, everyone. Until next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. This show was brought to you by Divas That Care. Connect with us on Facebook, on Instagram, and, of course, on divasthatcare.com, where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss a thing.